Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm Bobby Howard. With me today, as always, we've got Jameson Maxwell and Ty Lee. And guys, uh, it was not pretty, but the Oklahoma Sooners squeaked out a win on the road in Provo, Utah, uh, beating the BYU Cougars 31-24. to um, Not a great game by any means, um, but it produced great moments. And sometimes... Sometimes that's what you need to win a game is, you know, the the moments can over, like, if they fall your way, that overshadows the overall performance, which I kind of feel like is what happened here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 14-point swing is legitimately the reason. And we talk about butterfly effect all the time in this pod, but legitimately, Billy Bowman deciding to not go for a blitz like he was supposed to, and on a whim, switching into coverage is the reason we won. I mean, absolutely. The oh, OU was like dead in the water, no emotions at that mm-hmm. point, and it changed everything. It absolutely changed everything, without a doubt. Yeah, this was another one. I mean, this was basically the, the Central Florida game again. It's, it's one that we won, but does it really even feel like a win? Like, obviously, it's good to, to escape Provo. With this win, you know, you know, won a loss, but it certainly didn't feel like, you know, a, a win. It felt like, okay, what is going on? You know, we've talked about, is this team just not good at away games? I'm sure we're about to get into that, but this one yes. was, you know. That, that's a uh, big part. <laughs> bittersweet would be the wrong term, I guess, but it was, uh, didn't feel good. Yeah, I was nervous about this. I've been saying it for the past couple weeks. In terms of this offense, and I feel like just this team in general, I've not been impressed at all on the road, especially with the offense, because there's just times where things lag. Um, This hurry-up offense just does not do well whenever the opposing fans are yelling. There's a lot of opportunity to screw up. And yes, was the offense really the majority of the reason why we lost this game? No, I feel like we can't point the finger at either side of the ball. I think both sides of the ball had deficiencies, but still, I just it's a clear cut and dry the way this team plays at home versus the way that this team plays away. And it's not just your normal like home field advantage. I think that this the system that we have set up really, really needs to do well at home. Right. It it is a system that works best when you have everything going your way it's based on quick decisions moving fast and when you know bad stuff happens when stuff gets crazy it just kind of grinds to a halt it doesn't work the way it usually does um and frankly a lot of bad stuff happened uh overall offensively uh primarily dylan gabriel knocked out of the game uh with a concussion he had a i thought a pretty solid start um absolutely i thought it was a good half he was he wasn't you know poor by any means but you know obviously when you lose a guy like that your leader that's that's gonna be a a bit of a problem um of course jackson arnold came in i thought he did a commendable job it wasn't anything flashy it wasn't you know caleb williams at ou texas in 2021 but what he did is he didn't he did everything enough to win the ball game um didn't make a lot of mistakes did a lot of really good stuff on, you know, on the ground, you know, with his footwork. Um, but, you know, I, kind of in a way, I feel like Lebby, you know, was, uh, and understandably so, kind of giving him a bit of training wheels here. With his oh, absolutely. 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 So bad. No, we knew that was going to come from a mile away. Like, Lebby gave Dylan Gabriel training wheels in the Kansas game. So if you think he isn't going to give Jackson Arnold training wheels whenever he comes into the game after halftime, you're 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 just wrong. And it's probably going to happen again on Friday whenever we play TCU. It's gonna if if this is truly a concussion, and from the looks of that injury, Dylan Gabriel whiplashed his head to the ground. That is a concussion for a guy with a known concussion history. I don't see a way where he gets through protocol in time to make for this Friday game. And I understand everyone's different, and we do not have the information how if if he truly was in concussion protocol. Um, but normally, it takes you know about a week to go through it, and we have a shortened week this week. So I just am not very optimistic to see Dylan Gabriel come out and play versus DCU on Friday. Yeah, through through a weird like monkey's paw sort of way, you kind of you kind of got your uh, Jackson Arnold to close out the season uh, wish in in just the worst way possible. <laughs> 
Yeah, Jameson bringing a great curse on on all of us. It was interesting. Obviously, the weather played a part, but as you can see down in the graphic, if you're watching on YouTube, only nine pass attempts total for Jackson Arnold. So, you know, like we just touched on, a little bit of training wheels, but it's, um, you know, I do worry that with a hurry-up offense, we are very scripted. I think we have been very scripted at certain moments um, so far this season, and we've seen you know, issues before, but maybe having to adjust to games when things aren't working offensively. And uh, it'll be interesting to see with a shortened week. Obviously, TCU shouldn't be a very challenging opponent, but uh, BYU wasn't supposed to be, and honestly, neither was Central Florida and maybe not even Oklahoma State based on the expectations that we had for this team uh, going into those games. So I, I am a bit apprehensive that there was a pretty steep learning curve with getting this offense to click with Dylan Gabriel. And now we're just going to continue to see, you know, faltering down the road against TCU for the entirety of the game. Is it a turning into a rain thing, weatherman Bobby? I, I need your expert <laughs> analysis on this. Is rain just like OU's kryptonite? I think the rain was a big issue, but the field was also a big issue too. Uh, it was a disaster. That is genuinely one of the worst football fields I've ever seen. Um, I mean, it's 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 on par with, you know. Know how like Kansas City used to get really bad uh, back. Oh, the, the what about days. the Mexico City game um, yeah. in the NFL? Like you know, it's just very unsafe. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, it Go ahead, Ty. You got it. Oh no, I was just going to say it should be said. You know, this bleeds over into the defense a little bit, but we did thankfully make our own luck on the defensive side in terms of you know creating turnovers and taking advantage of the field. So I think you know while the field maybe did slow down the offense a little bit. Um, I think overall, I think it maybe helped us. If you have to say it helped one team or hurt one team, uh, would it come out a little bit better, I think, than BYU did? And I, I, I think OU, you know, we, we out-athlete BYU. We, we, have, we have a speed advantage. The athletes we have right there are different than theirs. And I think that was definitely, you know, you, you kind of have that speed a little negated. Um, but that being said, it's not really the best best excuse overall because Iowa State played on this exact same field and torched the Cougars. Um, mm -hmm. And BYU played on it too. So, you know, you just have to – you can't let that be an excuse. You have to find a way to overcome it. And I don't, I don't know what was – just overall, they just played a little timid or, you know, I, I don't know. Like they were constantly thinking about not slipping maybe or I don't know what it was. It just wasn't – I, I think I think the weather and the field definitely factors there. Well, I'll say this. We've said that in terms of our offense's deficiencies, probably our biggest one is our wide receivers are more big play guys rather than route runners to get open off the line of scrimmage. Whenever you have a scripted offense like Jeff Levy's, there's a lot of quick passes and there's a lot of scripted routes, you know? So if our wide receivers can't get off the line of scrimmage with a good break, and it takes them a little bit longer to get open, therefore that's going to kill the rhythm of this offense. All of the timing that they had been working on with their scripted plays in practice is off by a half second to a second whenever if they can't have the right plant or they're too nervous to do this certain cut move to get open on the inside. So I think that we can actually talk about this field you know, as a really big proponent of why our offense could have looked a little sluggish. I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. you bring up a good point too, Jameson, actually looking at it holistically, you know, not to not to counterman my own argument, but another deficiency when you brought that up is, of course, our run game in this field, you know, slows down, like you said, making cuts, getting off things quickly. That slows down our run game. And then you couple that with, you know, rain and then injuries and all of a sudden our pass game, which is something that we've really had to rely on. Obviously the run game is taking great strides, pun intended, but it, it really was a perfect storm, also pun intended, of environmental <laughs> factors uh, to slow down this OU offense. <laughs> I got to say, running back wise, Gavin Sawchuk just continued to impress. Uh, obviously it kind of took a while for him to kind of come on and take that leap and really heat up a bit. But when he did, he was really solid. Um, mm. that, that, that touchdown run he had was just some really great stuff. And, you know, it's, it's a relief to see that the, you know, running game has improved, uh, sucks a little bit that it's, it's taken this leap like this now that we're, you know, 
not great and don't control our own destiny, but soundtrack looks it looks pretty solid i would say it's it's true that it's a shame but it really did really um show us fans that the running back room might is not been might not have been as bad as we thought it was it's just they were hurt like gavin sawchuck did not get healthy until uh, you know four games into the season and we were talking about him on this podcast as a guy that I thought he would come out as RB1 first snap of the season, which was totally wrong. Um, but I thought the way that we've been hearing about his practice reports in the preseason, he seemed to be like the guy who had the most skill on this team. You know, Tolly Walker ended mm-hmm. up being that guy who obviously I think is our RB2 at this point. But, you know, Tolly's been hurt. Gavin Sawchuk was hurt at the beginning. It seems like our two best running backs in this room just haven't been healthy. And maybe now that they're slowly starting to get more healthy and Tawi is going to take probably another week to get full health, full, like fully healthy to where we can see the full potential of what these running backs can do. Yeah. And, you know, Jamison brings up a good point. And this is a rare case where you'll find me uh, perhaps defending Levy, perhaps giving him the benefit of the doubt is, uh, is a better thing. But Marcus Major, obviously we haven't seen him. Uh, really play it all lately. But I do think if you look at the game tape throughout the year and you've been watching the games throughout the year, he's probably our best ball security back. You know, we saw Sawchuck got lucky with a, a fumble in this game that, you know, bounced around in our favor. And he's had some some ball security issues in other games where it wasn't necessarily, you know, a massive hit or something else. Like you've just got a weird timing on a handoff or just all sorts of stuff and and balls are coming out. So I think you know, his ability to perform in games, obviously we saw good practice reports, but I think that some of Marcus Major's deficiencies really didn't shine so much in practice. And if I had to put myself in the coaching staff's shoes, obviously there's injuries and and what else to account for. But I can see how they made the Marcus Major decision kind of early on if you're thinking, okay, these guys are all maybe pretty equal, although they turned out not to be. Uh, but this one is much more secure with the ball. I'm going to give him the nod. And, and we've moved away from that. And I think it's a good thing. You know, we've gotten lucky with some of these fumbles because who knows butterfly effect, what would happen had we lost that fumble. Uh, but the, the gamble has paid off so far. Yeah, I, it's just like Marcus Major was just thrusted into this ro- role because we just didn't have a lot of good options. It's as simple as that. You know, we we knew that we weren't talking about him much, and then he was RB3. Now it seems like we figured it out. Gavin Sudchuk is playing, trying to play like he's Le'Veon Bell out there, the way he's diagnosing the offensive um, gaps. And it's been really fun to watch. And I feel like it's going to be a huge, huge key on this game upcoming on Friday because – if Jackson Arnold is your quarterback, I guarantee you, you know, the fans are going to be clamoring. I want Jackson Arnold to go out there and cook. Guess what? He's there. We're going to run the ball probably two thirds of the time on Friday. And I'm not opposed to, you know, opening up, uh, opening it up for him a little bit. Um, I feel like we'd be talking about it a lot differently if he actually hit that guy on, you know, that wide open, you know, kind of go that would have yep. really slammed the door on this thing. Um, but yeah, I, and keep in mind, like he, they were ready to redshirt the guy. Like he, he was ready to be redshirt, uh, redshirted, and you know it. It's one of those where you know he kind of got thrown into a pretty chaotic situation, maybe with a, 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 a albeit a, an abbreviated uh, week of practice. You can work some stuff in there, get a little bit more comfortable. But I, I'm with you. I think we'll probably see, you know, that kind of classic conservative levy uh type of type of um you know play calling and i gotta say one little one last note on arnold i'm excited for the future of this guy um probably his his not probably definitely his best throw of the game best moment of the game was that slant to jaleel farouk a play that he completely hot routed you know just completely you know called it audible from whatever levy had so that takes some stones as a true freshman at that point in the game as a true friend, yeah, everything on the line. That's unreal stuff right there, you know? Like, so Jackson Arnold, already a better better play caller than Jeff Levy? People are saying. I, I'll say it. I'll agree with you, Bobby. <laughs> this is true, yeah. yeah. Well, he's making adjustments during the game, which is something that just is, uh, <laughs> great. you know, yeah. incomprehensible to Jeff Levy. <laughs> Jeff, yeah. Jeff Levy probably had a, had a jet sweep dialed up. Just saying. Yeah, good oh old Jeff sweep. We had one this game, right? That was like a bad. Uh, I think to Drake. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think we have one with Drake where he just got smoked by like seven yep. people. <laughs> Whatever. Because <laughs> no one was Whatever. blocking. Because the <laughs> the other thing is with the jet sweeps, I just now thought of this. I'm sure we've addressed it before, but like our best blocking running or our best blocking receivers are now also gone. So it's like we're just gonna continue to to do it until it works, I guess. Stop talking about blocking receivers, Austin Stogner get one catch for 10 yards, Ty. Yep, as is tradition. He's got to get his one catch for at least 10 yards to keep Jameson quiet. <laughs> oh, that one catch for 10 at yards. First, at first, I thought he was the one that caught that fake punt, too. And I was like, oh, it's over. It's over for Jameson. <laughs> no, it's Ethan Downs. Just, <laughs> that fake punt, by the way, I I think that was a bad that call to reverse that. That was, yeah. that was kind of garbage. In real time, I looked at it, and I was like, that's on OPI. So like whenever I watched it, I see it. I see. I see you could, how you could call it either way. But still, like uh, he was not clearly trying to run a route. That dude was just making a pick. Kind of, yeah. I, I mean, kind of like he, it legitimately. He, he, he stopped moving. He legitimately was sitting there in front of the defender, and he wasn't even moving. Like what else? Like what? That's not. That's it's not just, running around. Just in awe of Ethan Downs and his athletic. Ability. That's what it is. You're right. <laughs> Um, no, but anyways, um, yeah, I, that, that, that one was a bummer. Really cool play there. Um, mm-hmm. offensively, I don't really know what, what else there is to say other than, uh, shout out Kaden Green, Kaden Green, every single one of the snaps as the freshman, like, you know, Jacob Sexton, Caden Green, you know, getting 65 of all 65 snaps. Like that's pretty big time. Oh Yeah. I mean the youth the youth movement on the offensive line is for real, and I don't know what what it is if you know just some of these older the older guard just not performing or or what, but you know it seems like Beedenbo is kind of flipping the page and moving on to the future, building up uh, you know some some really solid talent with Green and Sexton. You know, I, both of those guys are are going to be studs, man. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's really I'm more interested in Green at this point because I feel like he's earned that starting guard role because Savion Burge just completely thrown in the trash this year, which is like it's really a shame. But Tyler Guyton should be coming back. He's very close to being healthy um, and should come back and turn into that guy at right tackle that will take over Jacob Sexton. Um, But Caden Green's something exciting to see. Obviously, he had some freshman like plays, but still. Like I will, I like watching Kading Green because if you want to just not watch the ball and offense, just watch the offensive line. Look at Kading Green, number seventy. Sometimes he just goes out there and he mauls some guys. He absolutely mauls some people. It's really fun to watch. Yeah, I mean he's he's awesome, man. Like mm-hmm. that as a true freshman too. You know, I feel like that's the one position that's really hard to make a leap from. You know, from uh, from high school to to college. And to do it at that level, it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. And, Ga- and game ball. To, I was going to say, not to rehash old talking points, but again, on the line, the field must be mentioned as a you know pretty big detriment, especially for the offensive line. So I think they did pretty well considering the, the factors. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. And game balls for that. offense, Bobby? Um, I'm – Look, I'm gonna go pretty chill here, pretty obvious, and I mean, I'm gonna say Gavin Sawchuk. I, I think he did a he he was very stabilizing for an offense that you know it can be a little bit chaotic. Um, I, I look Arnold. He did he did a great job. I think he's a spiritual game ball in a way for keeping everything together. But in terms of the guy who performed, really t- stepped his game up to another notch, it was Gavin Sawchuk for me. Um, I think uh, yeah, that's my game ball. Yeah, mine's for Jaden Gibson. I I think the two big plays are things that we really need because obviously momentum was a big, big theme in this game. And getting those two big catches, you know, one that could have been a touchdown, the other one that was a touchdown, um, like those are huge plays for us whenever you look at it. He essentially got us right there for two touchdowns. So I got to give it to him. In a game where we have the slick field, I know we're talking about this a lot, a guy that can go up and just get it and just can box you out like a basketball player. That is the cheat code in the terms of this um, field. And we utilized it well with his two catches. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with Drake. I'm thinking about uh, DG, 
but you know, hmm, DG maybe is the right one to give it to. I can't honestly in good conscience give it to to Arnold. I feel like he came out and he looked a lot like a backup quarterback, not like a uh, you know a rising star. It was not a, a Kyler Murray moment. It was not a uh, something like that. You know that's high expectations, but you know I, I know we tossed around Caleb Williams coming in. Obviously, environment, everything else uh, was a factor, but it just did kind of seem very much like just a backup quarterback. So, give me Drake Stoops going the safe, going the easy route. Um, made catches when it counted. Yeah, Drake Stoops, wide receiver one. I will continue to say it over and over and over and over and over again. Like, there's no doubt he is the best wide receiver on this team. Yeah, I mean, he he really is, absolutely. And it it's kind of crazy that it took um, as long as it did after losing Andrew Anthony to not have him be, like, the cutting downfield type of guy. Uh, Levy... I feel like kept trying to make him, you know, one of those horizontal type of guys where, you know, get him out in space and have him make a move. That's just never been Drake Stoops. No. Um, so they finally found a good way to use him, and he's just continuing to roll. Uh, Arnold didn't really go to him a ton when he got in, but Dylan Gabriel was, I mean, it was just, when, when they were, when they're humming, they're humming, man. Uh-huh. Yeah, so good stuff for stoops uh all right let's talk about the defense a little bit and look overall i think without a doubt you all can say that this has been an improvement on defense across the board the mentality is different the physicality is different but this game was absolutely not it um very frustrating performance came up with massive plays the three turnovers were huge but overall the defensive line got whooped all day long. Yep. And the linebackers failed to fit to figure out their run fits. And you know, some of that might be, you know, some sickness going on. Obviously, Stutzman said that he had food poisoning. Uh kind of kind of see it. He, he he kicked it on towards the end and started doing a little bit better, but um yeah, it just just a really bad kind of uncharacteristic uh, defensive performance from OU here. Uh, outside of those just crazy jaw dropping turnovers. Oh, I want. Can I talk about the food poisoning? Because yeah, sure. I feel like food poisoning gets thrown around a lot. You know, especially with like people whenever people have a bunch of diarrhea. So, do you think or in like been... the the dark ages in yeah, Roman well, times it was well, big yeah, back then too. So I just think about it. When Stutzman's on the road, the majority of the food poisoning, you know, kicks in pretty quickly. So it's probably the meal that he had the night before. Um, did anyone else on this team get sick? Did were there other people that had food poisoning? Or did he eat something that nobody else did? So I'm playing conspiracy theorist here. This is the rabbit hole that y'all all wanted to listen to in this podcast. So I just figure that all of the, the athletes on these road trips eat the same thing. They probably get something catered in. They all have like the same lunches and dinners. Just what I'm guessing. So was it truly food poisoning? You know, we talk about Michael Jordan's flu game. That was actually food poisoning from the pizza. But Also in Salt it, Lake City. Yes. Um, but was like maybe did he find some fun in the in the Salt Lake City beforehand and we just don't know the story and maybe maybe his vows were just a little uh, mad at him for what his nighttime um you know fun was I, obviously I don't know for sure but but was it truly food poisoning There's some I, I'm, just, I'm just suspicious I'm just suspicious here he hung out too too late at the uh, old uh, Mormon tabernacle I guess I, I don't know I, I, I did not make the trip to BYU, so I do not know what uh, what goes down in Provo, really. Maybe, maybe he tried to eat too many. Maybe he tried to eat a full cougar tail by himself and just went south from there. To the dome. Does it does it BYU famously give visiting teams uh, food they like milk or something yeah. like that? Yeah, interesting. Hmm. He's lactose intolerant, and they knew it. But Danny didn't. He, 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 Danny is one of those lactose intolerant people who just still want to have dairy, and they know. <laughs> well, it's ice cream. Yeah, exactly. It's still dairy. Um, I'm curious about this food poisoning, Danny. I don't know if I'm buying into it. Maybe if you told me if you ate something different, if you had some sus, you know, food he said, beforehand. He said he hadn't been able to keep food down really for for like 48 hours. So I don't know. Okay, if it was food okay. Poisoning. So that might that just might be a just a viral illness. Yeah, it's a it's a bug. Um, he got the bug. <laughs> I've got the virus. Yeah, it could be it could be something like that. Like okay, that. Thank you for the con the context, Bobby. 
that yeah. that is that is definitely changing my differential here. Okay, yeah, I we're we're out here just trying to diagnose Danny's nuts, but you know, tell me troubles. I don't great. know. I just thought it'd be fun. to be fair. No, food it poisoning it does sound more believable than I got strep in my leg. That was that was weird. That, that was, was weird. weird <laughs> strep throat in the leg, not not real, not possible. You don't have a throat in your leg. I, I mean, simple I, as. I mean, hold on. I, I or let's. I, I believe Stogner obviously had the weird well, strep thing. Obviously, it's yeah. Called pyom. You don't just make that up, but it's also a little weird. So, uh, anyways, let's talk more about the defense. Um, what? How do we let? Uh, what? Who is the? Who is BYU's quarterback? I'm blanking. Uh, so bad. Jake Retzlaff. Retzlaff. How do we let this guy completely run over us like that? That was I don't know. I think brutal. he kind of had it. I think he kind of had it. He had a little bit of a like a spunk to him. I I feel like I like the way he was playing. Yeah, he 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 had he had that energy a little bit. I don't know, but I, it's one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, of course we're gonna let this guy tear us up. Their running back was also pretty sick too. Uh, yeah. What Aiden Robbins? It ran for one hundred eighty-two rushing yards or one hundred eighty-two you know, is nuts for a team that averages 90 rushing yards a game. Statistically, one of the best running backs that we've played all year. There's like a, there's like a certain tiers of running backs that we've played. He's up there. And what? then the bottom tier, you got guys like Ollie Gordon. I, I knew this had to be an Ollie Gordon jab. <laughs> hey, just look at the stats, right? Look at the stats. That's all I'm saying. Stats aren't that good. I'm and stats aren't that good. That's exactly my point. He legitimately has one touchdown this year, and it was like versus us. Or no, it wasn't even versus us. It was versus West Virginia. He's one touchdown. Well, I didn't get a chance because their quarterback is is uh, pretty decent. He's the okay. quarterback's completing like what fifty three percent of his passes. Yeah. Two touchdowns, one interception. I, yeah, a monster I, right there. I don't want to be that person. Obviously, I think like Retzlaff and Robbins were like pretty decent players, but I think it was more of an us thing than a them thing. Um, I think they're decent, but we made them look a lot better than they actually are. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like it, it just we gave them too many opportunities. Um, to 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 they they drove they drove down the field way too easily. I feel like even though they were bad on third downs, you know, we kind of let them get away with it on fourth. They're three or three from on fourth down, including one of one of their touchdowns came on that on a fourth down conversion. Um. And yeah, I, again, if it wasn't for, it was, it was weird because it was like, if it wasn't for their own turnovers, their own mistakes, like BYU kind of gave this one completely up to us, you know, the mistakes they were making, the turnovers, they was, they didn't, they kind of gave this one up to you. Oh, and of course they did. Incredibly frustrating. Incredibly yeah. frustrating. I was going to say, I, I don't think we're giving them enough credit. Like this is a team that probably will not make a bowl game. Um, you know, they've been pretty disappointing, but they came to play. Like, you know, I hate to give that whole, like, where everyone's Super Bowl thing that you hear from OU fans sometimes maybe is kind of true sometimes, but they came to play. The atmosphere was there. The fan buy-in was there. I think, and this is not a bit, I've been on the record saying this a couple times. I think BYU is in fact a fairly challenging place to play. You know, we just saw it was a very challenging place for us to go play. And this is a team that's not even bowl eligible. And we're, you know, maybe we'll get into this later, but still in contention to win the conference. So it, I do want to give BYU some credit. You know, it wasn't just us, you know, playing down and shooting ourselves in the foot. They really played up. And like we just talked about with the running back and with Retzlaff, this was one of their better games all year. And uh, they were there to play. It was no doubt the biggest reason of why we did so poorly was on our defensive line. Our defensive line has become something that I'm really worried about. The pass rush is just non-existent. We do not have guys who can get to the quarterback. There are too many times Red Slaff is back there and had all the time in the world, and our guys were just stuck behind blockers. Our defensive line has been getting manhandled by offensive lines for the past month, and it's just not acceptable. It's like you really have got to hope that this new era of guys coming through, like PJ Adebowari can come through and like develop into a guy that can get to the quarterback because our defensive ends are just not cutting it. No, not at all. And you know, that the game changed a little bit defensively when we started sending 
you know, linebackers at him. And we started blitzing a little bit more. Um, those that that's what that and you know that is when they started making more mistakes when we started kind of sending the house a little bit because the only way we can get pressure that's our only sack was with danny stutzman and like what was it the week before we had zero sacks yeah something like that yeah was it zero sacks against west virginia i know we had zero against uh, i think so i'll look it up i'll look it up i'll get in the lab i know for sure versus oklahoma state we had we had right um on. I'm not going to I'm not, I'm going to figure this out before I say something. Yeah, we definitely had nothing against Oklahoma State, but they have a pretty solid O-line. Um but it it's just it, it's just unacceptable. And you know, we could talk about talent all we want, but none versus come, West Virginia. No, not not yeah. And that was a game we won by 39 points. That's not that's not acceptable. We West Virginia was an obvious passing downs and we sacked them zero times. I just don't I I don't get it. I, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna call it coaching because I, I don't I don't think you can yet you know or anything and you know let's if 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 this continues when you have a guy like David Stone then yeah it's something's up but I'm just it's just not good. I, I mean I feel like you do have to look at coaching a little bit and I'm I'm not just talking um, you know like development but we've gone so many games without one like it's becoming almost like a statistical anomaly right like we should have just had one by accident by this point so like what what is our what's our strategy or or what are we telling them to go out there and execute if it's not like we should have accidentally at least had one you know in the past in the past couple games especially against that west virginia team so it it certainly is you know is it a question of i mean i guess that's development still but you know we're gonna blame the field on this one we can't blame the field because the you know we have previous games to point to so that that certainly is a big question mark especially when that was a, a hallmark of venables defenses at clemson that won national championships yeah we didn't have a sack in kansas oklahoma state or west virginia and then our only one is from danny stutzman in this game what that's that's a problem that is a huge huge weakness for us because Whenever we get our opponents in third and longs, even on fourth down, we saw it in this game, fourth down, we could not get off the field. If you do not have a pass rush, this quarterback that has been prone to mistakes and we looked really good, you want to know why he looked good? Because he was comfortable. He was comfortable the whole game. And we see it with our quarterbacks right now. When our quarterbacks are uncomfortable in our offense, they struggle. So, the other way around, if we can't make the opposing team's quarterback uncomfortable, we are going to get worked. It does not matter the skill level of that quarterback. They will find someone open eventually because you can't play a zone defense and hold on for that long. Hmm. Right. Jameson, you brought up something good uh, there with the fourth downs. And a fourth downs are something that, um, you know, we saw, we've seen a few in the past couple weeks. I, Fourth downs, I think, are so crucial because I don't know that you're – well, I know that, you know, like your statistical probability of converting them doesn't change based on media hype, but people have been going for them more against us regardless of the score of the game now that the narrative has swapped around on this OU defense. And that's, you know, that's not unique to OU. Like a fourth downs – or your analytics book can tell you whatever it tells you. It's still a decision that the coaching staff makes, just like a fake punt. It's still a very, you know, it's a high pressure thing because you're going to be looked at on every fourth down. You know, that's going to be something that's going to be judged on ESPN and on podcasts and, you know, at the board or whatever else. And in following days, if it goes wrong, if you have a defense that the conversation around them is, oh, they're scary, oh, they're going to shut you down, oh, they're going to get to the quarterback that changes that calculus on fourth down. And it doesn't matter if your analytics book is screaming at you to go for it. There are going to be times where people opt upon it just because you've, you know, you've scared them into that. And that's just not something that this defense has right now. It's not something that this defense brings. We've kind of reverted back to the old, you know, as painful as this is not a bit, but we've reverted back, you know, like it was in the Alex Grinch days where if people got it below like five, they're like, Oh yeah, I can get that on this OU defense all day. And, and that's very frustrating, especially when we saw things kind of turn around at the beginning of the season. So I'm not saying, oh, you know, nothing has changed. It, it hurts more because we've seen that it can be better 
and we've kind of regressed a little bit for whatever reason. Maybe it's people getting tape on us. Maybe it's, you know, it's a confluence of factors, but um, fourth down specifically, that was something I was thinking during the game. It's, it's just so frustrating when people opt to go for them against you because it means that they believe that they're going to get it. it. And it's just the right. disrespect is the wrong word, but you know, it, it hurts. And then when they get it, it hurts even more, but it's insulting that they're going for it to begin with. Right. And I, I think a lot of it is college football and football in general has, have, has definitely changed a lot. You know, growing up, you know, you d- never saw, you know, people going for it on fourth unless it was dire situations. And it's happening a lot more often in general, but I think overall with the way the, op- the, the defense is where it, you know, we're running three down, you know, we're running, you know, a different type of, you know, defense where, you know, it's imperative that you get pressure on them with the limited amount of people you're sending at them or else everything goes to hell and it, it doesn't work. It all breaks down. And because we're not getting fast, we're getting there quickly. We're not getting there at all. Um, they know they can make quick plays, get to it, break it, break down the defense and, um, yeah, it's just not, it's not great. It's really not well, great. And that's huge on the D-line, too. Because if you know, right. looking at tape and stats for OU, that the only way they're going to get to the quarterback is through their linebackers, then you, as a coach, can look at there and, and draw plays, you know, an RPO or something else on a fourth down that says, you know, if they blitz a linebacker, then there will be a spot open in the middle for three, four, five, whatever, you know, yardage we need to convert. And if they don't, then our quarterback's going to have all the time in the world. The fact that our D-line just cannot get to a quarterback to save their lives, um, that really changes the calculus as well. Because you know that we're going to have to sacrifice a piece in coverage or something else to try to put pressure on the quarterback. And it it almost converts – the D-line is so bad, it's almost converted the fourth down calculus to – we're the ones taking the risk because now we have to decide, you know, are we going to basically give it up if this blitz doesn't get there versus do we believe that someone can get through on touch? Yeah. And I mean, th- there's a reason why we're so good in short down situations. It's because when the field squishes and condenses, you have less time, you have less space to get around and, you know, less, not only do they have less, t- a little bit, they have the same amount of time, but there's more pressure across the board, less field to cover. Um, which, you know, the amount of times you'll just see little breaks because, you know, this that zone just can't keep up with everyone for that long. Mm-hmm. It just it just can't. You have to apply pressure or else the whole thing falls apart. Yep, that's really what it is. This scheme was not we just don't have the perfect formula for it right now. I think it's a good we can play the scheme and we can be successful at it whenever we have the right pieces. We just don't have the right pieces right now. It'll be decent. We have some good pieces around. It just isn't like the puzzle is not complete. And it's the right scheme too. Like this isn't like speed D where it was not working and it was not the right move. Mm-hmm. It is the right scheme. You have to have the right players for it to actually work though. And that takes time. That takes development. That takes recruiting. Um, hopefully you get it. But uh, if not, you know, uh, we will be in trouble. Um, so yeah. Do we even need to talk? Is just can we just get Billy Bowman three game balls right now? Yes, absolutely. That dude saved our ass. That was probably the most important play of the season. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, no, no. Dylan, Dylan Gabriel's touchdown okay. is probably pretty important. Fair, yeah. Against Texas, yeah. Yeah, Texas. Look, if you're if you're feeling see, I said that and I didn't even say the game, Bobby, and you already knew what I was talking about. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. the Gabriel one, it was almost like that whole drive was important, but like that touchdown, yeah. I mean, could you imagine? Look, it might feel a little crappy right now, not having our you know uh, control of our own destiny, everything. But imagine if Texas was eleven and zero, like how bad this would be. Mm -hmm. That that OUN really saved our, really saved us a lot of um, a lot of mess. Because, you know, frankly, you know, even if Texas wins out, that's going to be a hard, hard way for them to get into the college football playoff. Um, just with how Washington's playing, how Oregon's playing. Washington just, is not playing well. They're just, they're still there. They're still undefeated. <laughs> I don't know if you can say just with how Washington's playing. The committee's doing everything they can not to put them in the top four. Hey, they're going to have that, to now, I guess. But that was a gritty but... win against Spooky Beavers uh, last last night so i'll give him give him give him that 
But anyways, yeah, it's Billy Bowman. Um, game ball, easy. Um, which is which is great stuff. He stepped up, had a massive performance or massive 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 moment, really. And uh, yeah, good for him. Talk about Tinker. Zach Schmidt. We all want to talk yeah. about Zach Schmidt. We, we Send him. We got it. We got it. We got Send him. Uh, look, 1982 mentioned it in the chat. We do we need a new kicker. This guy. Uh, look, I'm not. I don't want to be too negative. I'm not a very. I try do not it. to be too negative about the Sooners. But this guy, he's not it. You know, he he. <laughs> the miss was bad. But you know what makes me more angry than anything is when you kick balls out of bounds on kickoffs that is you literally like the one thing you can't do you have 50 some odd what how how wide is a football field 56 yards something like that you have 56 56 ish yards to keep it between there how do you mess that up again it's so frustrating it it drives me absolutely crazy and you know, that, that has to be a prior, priority this season because it is constantly putting us in bad positions. We're leaving points on the board. We're giving teams extra yards because of those mistakes. It's just not it's not acceptable that to, to have a, a kicker of that quality at, at Oklahoma. It just isn't. It's it's not it's yeah. not it's not good. We have been lucky with kickers in the past, and, and this is a rare case of like you'd think that you know, with a kicker, it's all just kicking, you know, it doesn't really matter, but we should have known that this dude was not going to be good. He never played any, like he came from Bishop McGinnis, you know, he never played anyone in high school. And then we try to throw him in major D one college football. Of course he's going to crumble. Right. This is like when people get like a quarterback from Arizona and they're like, yeah, this dude is going to be, it's going to be a monster. And then, you know, you end up not making a bowl at South Carolina or something. Uh, Cause he believed in someone who didn't play football in Florida or Texas. Like, it's so easy. You just go to one of those two states, maybe Georgia, sometimes Oklahoma for certain things in public schools in the Tulsa area, and then you get a good player. That's all you got to do. He cares too much about school, Ty. You said it earlier, chemical engineering major. Yeah, yeah. he's an academic All-American. Good for him because he doesn't have a career in football, I'll tell you that. So. Can, he, he no, it's, Gavin, can, it's Gavin Marshall time. It's it's there's it's no time. excuses by the coaching staff. There's nothing more that they can put out for an excuse for Zach Schmidt. The you know speaking, position. I don't care if Zach Schmidt is a better kicker skill wise than Gavin Marshall. I do not, not care because I don't care if they think that. I understand the kicking position is so mental. It is so 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 mental. And I just don't know how he has any mental fortitude anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And on the topic of special teams, it, it does have to be mentioned. It got pulled back, but Elzinga with an absolute singer of a pass yep, on that great. fake point. That was beautiful. And then again, while we're on the topic of people who never played anyone in high school and should not be given chances on our special teams over and over, why is Gavin Freeman still on the team, let alone getting oh, snaps? Lord. Okay. It's beyond me, right? Everyone's like, oh, he's the next. He went to where Wes Welker played. He could be the next Wes Welker. He's going to be the next Drake Stoops. Jeez. I don't know about that. I'm not giving up that. on Gavin Freeman yet, but he. he yeah, he that's had, the problem. No had, one he, is. He had, They're like, let's. Had, he's had a really rough sophomore year. By, let's absolutely. give Gavin Freeman his 72nd no, chance because he ran a. It's not that he won. He ran one good jet sweep, and Jeff Levy was like, we're running this play, and we're giving this dude infinite opportunities. It's just he's the jet sweep of players. Oh my god, he's not. It is a bit problem. of a bit. I don't necessarily. He's not, hate Gavin he's not the biggest problem at all. He's just no. Not. He's very small in a problem that which is a problem in and of itself. Okay. Drake Stoops is also small. Yeah, Drake Stoops is remarkably larger than Gavin Freeman. Okay, let's. All right, that's pretty much it for BYU, though. Do we want to call it a wrap? Yes, frogs. And, yep. So, leads us to our last regular season game of the season, uh, Black Friday game. OU nine and two overall, six and two uh, in Big Twelve play. They take on the TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, disappointing five and six, um, and uh, just I don't know. They're fighting for a bowl game, so they're kind of scrappy. You know, they came off of a really big win against Baylor, but overall, they just don't. I don't know. Are you are you afraid of the frogs at all, Jameson? 
No, I watched a lot of that Baylor TCU game. I guess it was on my phone on the side during work, but still, I watched a good amount of it. And even though TCU handled them, it, they just didn't look like they had it. They really didn't. I wasn't really impressed, and I haven't been blown away by this team this whole year. Um, you know, I just think that this football team, the way TCU is set up, is just another one of those games where Oklahoma can come in at home and should be able to do what they want to do. You know, if they are able to do what they want to do, usually we've succeeded whenever we can actually stick to our script. Um, in terms of TCU and what things we need to look out for, I, do they have a glaring strength that you're nervous about? I, I can't say it. I mean, you know, I, I, their quarterback is. Um... No, don't even do not talk about Hoover being We're a not strength. Talk about Hoover. I mean, Hoover I with say, Hoover, I... he does. He is a bit of like a high risk, high reward guy. Hoover, Hoover has his moments, but also we just let Jake Retzlaff just tear us up. So, yeah, but Hoover's going to throw some interceptions. If this game was if this game was at TCU, I'd I'd be thinking something else. But I in Norman, I think that's just your I think that's just your pain saying you know oh man I'm worried about TCU and like his Fort Worth. But also at the same time we've talked about you know how bad this team's been on the road. So I get it. Yeah, it's TCU's atrocious on the road. I do I can't I wouldn't trust them against anybody on the road. Honestly, they just do not have the same energy at all. When was what road games have they won this year? Let's pull up the receipts. Uh, They have won uh, at Houston. Ooh. Uh, They have won um, at Houston. (laughs) Oh, my God. They have one road win, and it's at Houston. So there are other road games that they played. (laughs) So they played Iowa State, lost. They played Kansas State, lost by 38. They lost to Texas Tech on the road. Those are those are their oh my god, they barely played any road games. How did they pull this off? We talked about this at one point too. And then you know their road games are just in Texas as well. They have they have three road games um before this. They, they only had three road Texas games before twice. this. That's ridiculous. No, they had four. They had four road games. Houston, yes. Iowa State, Kansas State, Texas Tech. Okay. So right. they had they had two four. road games outside of Texas. Is so they have they all have more home games than road games. I guess okay. That's I guess that's about right. I guess I was just bad at counting. Yeah. No. Because they this is the year where Colorado came to them, and you know they don't tend to make sense. No, it makes, makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, it's just TCU's not good on the road. I'm not worried about them. Look, we're, we're actually going to record the weekend spread right after this, but the uh, episode's going to drop on Monday. And uh, old, uh, old Bowden Blake is going to give his thoughts on this. He'll probably go on some spiel about, oh, the Hoover, going to go get mm-hmm. you. We're going to go get the bowls. I believe in the onions. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you this. I, this TCU team, I don't see it. I, I genuinely don't. And I know we said that last week with BYU, but I think the, I think, I think the – the difference of being on the uh, TC on the road versus at home changes a lot. So mm-hmm. yeah, they, I mean, Vegas doesn't believe in us that much putting at a 12 and a half point line. They probably want to see what happens with Jackson Arnold. The thing I, I mean, because... if we're just going to continue to run it the whole game though, and they're going to pass a bunch that, you know, the, the time of possession might be so skewed that there's just not a whole lot of, I think this is a good one for the under. Could be. Yeah. I yeah. I agree. I agree with you on that one. The only real threat is that if Hoover uh, can count to five, because uh, then he can identify where Woody Washington is, uh, and then we'll be kind of screwed. Poor Woody. It's just he's not getting help from our defensive line. I think now we found the problem. It's not Woody. It's the line. <laughs> yeah, it, is. it is true. <laughs> when you got to cover a dude in man for 15 seconds, and then you got to make sure Every that he point. doesn't get open at any moment. Yeah, just back to back to back to back. Yeah, time spinning coverage has got to be like 75% of the game. If we do not get sacks from the defensive line position this game, it is a huge, huge problem. It already is a problem. We said, I think at the beginning of this year, we continue to say, oh, well, our defensive line could have done a little bit better in the pass rush, but I'm just going to continue to have hope is like, you know, they start to play actual more games when there's obvious passing down situations. This is going to be obvious passing down situations for TCU. Hoover likes to hold on to the ball and try to make a play. He's a playmaking quarterback. That is a type of quarterback that you should go and sack a frequent amount. 
not having a sack, you know, from a defensive lineman for the past four games is not acceptable. If you want to succeed and blow this TCU team out, you need to bring pressure from the linebacking position. I'm not going to say my key of the game is, oh, I just expect the defensive lineman to have a good game and somehow we can get lucky. No, you need to adapt around it. And the adapting is get Kip Lewis, get Jaron Cannon, get Danny Stutzman going downhill and creating pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And you need to be hitting them all day long. You know, make it make it absolute hell for uh, TCU and Hoover and that whole group, because that's when you that's when you make mistakes. That's when that home field advantage plays into it. When you're making big plays, when you're getting the crowd into it, that's when you have when you have the edge. This OU crowd, let's be honest. It, they don't really build their own momentum much. It's it, it, it you you kind of need something to get them going because otherwise they're just kind of will sit on their hands and won't say much. And uh, you, you 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 unfortunately know that's true. There uh, that can be the case sometimes. So the defense needs to build their own momentum, get this thing going. And look, if if they if they come out hot, if they just attack the hell out of uh, TCU and make have them make mistakes. Uh, this should be a um, easy way to uh, kick off your Thanksgiving weekend. So, yeah. What do y'all think about the Friday Friday game? Because I know we've had some opinions on that. I don't love it. Um, hate it. I hate it. I think it. I think it makes things really tricky for people because it's not a holiday for a universal holiday for everybody. You know, not everybody mm-hmm. has a day off. Um, not only that, but like with co- with college football a lot of college students are at home it's hard for them to get to you know back to oklahoma you know this isn't like the old days where you know ou's you know enrollment was mostly oklahoma and you know they were just going back to oklahoma city or their small town anyways and they can just drive back to for the nebraska game this is not that case um and not only that but it's lost its luster a little bit with the nfl putting a game there it i'm out on it um, yeah, that's stupid. Allegedly, we're going to be doing this in the future uh, with Missouri. So um, get ready for that. Every year, it's going to be this Allegedly. weekend. Allegedly, we're going to start a re- uh, Black Friday game with Missouri. Is what I've heard. Don't need to get ready for it because I'm not going to be watching. <laughs> Jeez. I'm not like it. You're not going to get me to watch Missouri football. I don't care. You can try that's, to throw you in there and trick me, team. right? Might yeah. trick me. Might go, oh, it's an OU game. No, I'm not going to watch Missouri football. You're talking about the number team team in the nation, right there, Ty. It's a, you're talking about a team that puts out Big Ten football, like bottom barrel Big Ten football quality, and then like bottom barrel SEC academic quality, which is why they didn't end up in the Big Ten. They just find a way to win, I guess. But all right, yeah. Um, also of note, big, uh, you know, last Saturday. Big uh, scoreboard watching weekend. This is the same case, you know. Got, gotta Let's have some scenarios. stuff happen. Everyone wants to happen. have scenario talk. Um, we were talking before the pod, and I think the scenario that everyone wants to be cheering for is the Oklahoma Oklahoma State rematch. And to make it very simple, just Texas needs to lose this Texas Tech. Texas Tech has came through and has saved Oklahoma in the past. Michael Crabtree was our savior. We all know that I have an affinity for this Texas Tech team in Baron Morton. Can Baron Morton be my savior? I'm looking at you. I do not want an OU Texas Big 12 championship. I want OU Oklahoma State. End of story. So I I think somehow we would have to have some some help outside of that as well. Um because I feel just from what I've heard, everyone seems to also pair it with Iowa State beating Kansas State. But I don't really know why. Um, because the tournament or the Big 12 tiebreakers are very dumb. Um, so I guess we root for that because I would love Bedlam. I would love a Bedlam rematch to try to take that uh, take that eternal whatever BS back. Um but yeah, I, I think it seems like there would be have to be a couple things for that rematch to happen. Easiest way to get in is just OSU loses BYU and we're we're like in. Um, yeah, the OSU rematch probably best case scenario for for OU fans. I think that's by far the more beatable team. I as swear, well. I, I don't know a, that this. 
Sorry, Ty. I, I swear I made a scenario. I just can't figure it out. What the hell is it? I legitimately did it before the pod. How do we get Oklahoma so State? To, to clarify for the listeners while Jamison's getting this pulled up, uh, there is still a bit of a murkiness. Uh, everyone came into this. I came into this podcast thinking that Texas had secured their spot. Um, there's a lot of news articles right there. Apparently, Big 12 officials are, are saying to the press that Texas has not necessarily secured their spot because of the way the tiebreaker system works. So there's some, you know, now with the new interpretation, there's some calculation of, of things playing out where OU actually ends up as the one seed and then Oklahoma State and Texas are tied. And because Oklahoma State beat OU, they get the nod over over Texas to play is how that would play out for those curious or they don't have time to look it up. I, I would encourage you to look it up. And honestly, the way the Big 12 is going right now, by Tuesday, they could reinterpret the rules again or clarify whatever you want to call it. And then all of a sudden there's not an opportunity and Texas has locked it up and all who knows. So I think by Saturday, this could be a completely different conversation. Yeah, my brain's broken. I'm I can't get I can't get an Oklahoma, Oklahoma State scenario on this B ball not nothing dot net. I, I don't know how I did I how I did this. I'm I'm hurting my what's what's going on? I, I thought we could do this. I'm gonna be heartbroken. We we definitely can do this because it the so the Big Twelve said if Texas Tech wins on Friday, the following scenarios apply surrounding Big Twelve matchups on Saturday. Texas can clinch a berth if two of the if two of the three two loss teams, K State, OU, OSU, lose on on Friday or Saturday. Texas and the uh, remaining winning team of those three will qualify for the championship. Um, and then I guess if Texas loses on Friday and two or three win, then Texas. Oh God, this is just a mess. <laughs> this is just a total mess. I, I you know what? I actually, I'm gonna say screw this. Screw this. Don't, oh, you fans listening right now, don't go and try to play scenarios. It's not worth your time. Just have a surprise party whenever you figure it out. Even if there's a chance that, oh, you can get in, just just let it just happen. And just after the results show up, be like, oh, here it is. Whatever it is, it's just going to be gravy. No, I'm going to keep breaking my brain. I don't know because I, I don't trust this this odds thing now. I don't, I don't trust, trust the rules. Either. I don't understand anything. I truly don't understand it. When I think I do understand it, I don't. I, yeah, I don't get it. It's very weird. So I want I'm, the pokes. That's all I want. I, I want a poke rematch, uh, but probably won't happen. I guess. So hopefully look in a week from a week from today, we're talking about a big 12 championship, but that will probably be a little bit unlikely, mm-hmm. um, but we'll see how it goes. You know, I, you know what? No, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. Don't put, jinx anything. No, I was going to put the fruity pebble pickle back on the line, but that Oh, be, that's that could, what we need. No, that would be a double jeopardy situation right there. I I know it would. We'd just straight up lose to TCU and we can't have Blake have that for uh you can't have Blake hold that over it over us that Hoover beat us on our home field. So, yeah. Imagine All right, guys, uh, we lose to TCU and OSU as our last games versus them. Oh, hell. Woof. Just let's hell. just let's just yeah, call us out, Bobby. We can't yeah, think let's about wrap that this much longer. Up. Uh, well, we are at the end of the line with the regular season, <laughs> folks. Thank you all so much for watching, uh, listening to the Schooner Pod this entire season. It's been a really fun one, been up and down, but um, been really exciting. And, you know, look, the Big 12 era was fun. We, I believe, have been doing this podcast the exact time, time frame that Drake Stoops has been at Oklahoma. I'm pretty sure his first year was uh, was the first year of the pod. I, I remember mentioning him on the first episode, mm-hmm. Jameson. So next year is starts a new era of no Drake Stoops to talk about on the podcast. So, but uh, you we're also moving to the SEC. So like that, that, a lot of things are happening. But mainly Drake Stoops is leaving. Um, so I don't know. We're excited. Obviously, off season is going to be cool too, and bowl season. The bowl the bowl pods are always fun. So mm-hmm. make sure to uh, subscribe and stay tuned to that. Um, if you want to hear who we think wins this ball game, we got the weekend spread coming up soon. So Ooh. keep an eye on your feed there. It'll be up earlier than usual because of the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, so keep an eye on that. We'll be uh, 
bringing on Boat and Blake for that. So uh, should be a good time. Anyways, for me, Jameson and Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod. Thank you all so much for listening and watching. We'll see you next time. Good luck and boomer sooner, everybody.